All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to The Chrysalis. We're back for episode three, where we will be discussing art for healing's sake, as opposed to art for art's sake, if you're familiar. Um, the love, the lead, Daria M. Sullivan is here with me today. Would you like to say hello? Hi, everyone. <laughs> so uh, welcome back, Miss Daria M. Sullivan. Um, so today is kind of just going to be a stream of thought kind of thing, guys. Um, and ladies and non-binary folks. Um, so recently I had the opportunity to revisit a piece of theater that I worked on. I think it's two or three. It's got to be three years now. <laughs> three years ago um, at the University of Pittsburgh. I won't name it just because uh, it's still in the works. But basically it's a, a piece that tackles gun violence and the ubiquitous nature of guns in America. Um, and what that means and how to create a show that is a, hopefully for a greater purpose of getting some kind of better gun control, but also at the same time not alienating its audience, which is really hard to do. Um, and revisiting that script just kind of made me think about, it reminded me why I do art, because when we started this script, um, we were all just kind of in a devising class, just sitting in a circle. We had this idea that we were passionate about, but we didn't really know where we were going to go with it or how it was going to look in the end. We just kind of took what we had and worked from the ground up. And for those who aren't familiar, um, devising is a technique. Feel free to look it up. It's um, founded by Anne Bogart. She studied at Columbia for years. Um, but basically devising is... You're starting from the ground up with nothing. You can take a piece of text, an image, a thought, a word, and use it to kind of propel an ensemble into, one, connecting through movement work, and two, um, creating a piece from the ground up. Uh, and that's just a very elementary explanation of devising. Like, there's so many facets to it that I can't even, like, begin to dive into. And maybe we'll have time to dive into. But... Um, yeah, I originally, when I first came into contact with devising, that kind of gave me confidence as a creator, not just an artist who regurgitated other people's work for them. I was like, okay, cool, I can make something too, because it's this easy. Like, that's how devising felt for me. It felt so natural and so easy. Um, and it just kind of made me think, okay, well, if I'm tired of the same thing that I'm seeing on stage... And now I have this tool in my back pocket where I know that I can make work by myself with just a word or just a thought, then maybe it's not so hard to create art that has a purpose or art that feeds me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, that kind of led me to thinking about creating a theater company, which who knows, we'll see in the future if that comes to fruition, who knows, maybe my ideas will change. But originally like that kind of, made me think, okay, well, what if I started a theater company that, that just created um, <clears throat> socio-politically charged works and addressed very head-on the issues that we're facing today and kind of gave the audience a moment to sit and think about it? Um, kind of inspiration from Augusto Boal's um, Theater of Conflict and literally his his plays involved the audience kind of this judge and jury type situation of okay here's the situation in the play guys now what are we going to do what's the most moral ethical thing to do um moral ethical practical thing to do and i really liked that idea of using a play to teach 
I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's a simple one, but there's a lot of art for art's sake. And I personally prefer art for healing's sake. Um, did you want to expand on that a little, Daria? Your experience or where you became introduced to this idea of creating art, not just because it's pretty, but because it can help people. Yeah, I guess for me, like it, looking back on what I was creating when I was younger, like I came into performing at a young age and looking back at what we were making, I definitely feel like it was this like pretty thing that was like, and now we're on and like, this is the audience, like presentational (laughs) situation, you know? And that was definitely like, okay, we are putting on a show for the audience to enjoy. And it's this product in a way. But, but then when I like delve a little deeper, like I was a part of this, um, this like program, I guess you can call it called traveling troupe. And it was for like fourth and fifth graders. And we would, our director would kind of devise a piece and like pull from different shows like um and one time we had a prompt where it was like write down a response to something like why you like theater or something and those would be like lines in the show Mm -hmm. to kind of like make it cohesive like the numbers cohesive yeah um and we did that and then we would go on to um, show it to different schools and then show it to like senior citizens homes. Oh, I love and that. so, yeah, like in that way that was healing. Um, and, and in some ways, like as a baby performer, that was me just like understanding, like it was such a good exercise of, um, like going from, devising a piece in one space and then going on and having to put it into another space. Right. And it being like, I don't know what this space looks like and we just have to figure it out, you know? Yeah. So I guess like for me, like the root of where I come from is like, yes, this presentational like show and this is showbiz little kids, but also like this, this is healing. So I guess, like, in a subtle way, I've always had that quality to my art without even realizing it. Like, whether it's healing myself um, and giving a space for me to express myself, but also, like, helping others. That's beautiful. And um, personally, I, and I know a lot of people who can speak to this, of just the feeling that you need to make art and there's really no other choice. Like, Mm -hmm. not making art is almost like having a board sitting on your chest like it's that restrictive almost because it's something that literally is a coping mechanism for you throughout the day it's part of for me the the majority of the therapy that I got through performance was through the actual training itself um like doing link ladder training Kristen link ladder voice and movement training um doing that at Point Park and just (laughs) doing this crazy hippy-dippy shit in a room. Like, literally everything you think an actor is doing in a room, that's what we were doing. (laughs) Like, everything that strangers imagine, like, the weird sounds, the the weird motions and gestures, rolling on the floor, juggling balls, like, that type of stuff. Like, that's what we were doing in that room. But through that, we were reading texts titled things like freeing the natural voice how to you know remove yourself of these 
inhibitors that society has put on you. Um, and a lot of them manifest vocally. And I didn't mm. ever think about that. Like Ooh. some people who are more insecure tend to speak lower or people who have been silenced as kids tend to speak less, just little things like that. And it doesn't always apply that simply, but looking at it I was like wow this is me like middle child syndrome all of that stuff very very telling um and so just kind of reading that and finding that connection that seems so obvious but just isn't it kind of spoke to me and I started to pay a little bit more attention in class and actually think about okay well what is hindering me what what do I feel is holding me back and I know something that is always made me self-conscious about the way I speak is just the tone of my voice because I've had a very rich voice (laughs) since middle school and people used to always make fun of me and tell me I sounded like a dude and I for a while like tried to make my voice sound higher because I'm like this is what all the girls sound like so let's just make it squeakier apparently um (laughs) so struggling through that and like coming to the realization that there's nothing wrong with my voice and it actually is really beautiful Um, and there's nothing wrong with the way it sounds and kind of working through that, working through traumas without having to speak them out loud. Like just things like when your voice teacher is having you lie down on the floor and close your eyes and imagine that your pain is felt as a color or, you know, a feeling is felt as a color and every feeling drops into this pool in your solar plexus. Like it's all just so visual and metaphorical And honestly, it feels like it's just meditative in the best way, I feel like. And that's probably what what really finally, like, pulled me in. Um, And I was like, okay, maybe I can teach this stuff to people someday, you know. Um, Maybe, and I still plan on doing that, teaching people the training that goes into acting. Obviously, I want to teach people how to put on their own shows, too, but... I just want to train, like, show people, look, this training should be done for everyone, whether you're an acting major or not, because, my God, there's so many humans out here walking around with trauma that they don't even know exists. It's like teach acting. I feel like learning how to act is like learning how to live in a healthy way. Literally, like, that's exactly what it is. And learning about yourself. That's what that's reminding me of, of, like, learning about your voice and how which is partially how you navigate through the world. Yeah. Like that's what I feel like art has done for me. It's helps me gain this self-awareness that I didn't have before. I'm just like, Oh, that's how people see me. That's informative. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that because we will never truly see ourselves through other people's eyes. Yeah. But just getting even a glimpse of that. It's helpful. Acting. Yeah. It's super informative and can also like, help you with negotiations anything you have to do professionally just having that knowledge of oh this is what people are saying when i walk into a space got it (laughs) this is what i'm fighting against this is what is already presumed about me that's untrue how can i like switch around that yeah and really quickly you all i just want to share um an anecdote from one of our listeners um Kaya Freights at Kaya Freights, K-H-A-Y-A-F-R-A-I-T-E-S. Please follow her. She got poetry, y'all. She got a poetry Instagram, Blue Umbrella Poems, okay? Blue Umbrella Poems. Um, But I just wanted to share a quick anecdote about her 
experience with theater as therapy. Uh, So we're going to quote her directly. And uh, she says, I have to definitely have to say I think all caps, y'all definitely (laughs) feel like I make art because I have to. I started theater in high school because I was going through a rough time at home and it allowed me to be someone else and just escape my own thoughts. I fell in love with it and never stopped. I also use writing poetry as a way to get out how I'm feeling. And I ended up having so many poems over the past several years that I took them all and published a book through Amazon. Yes. So look for her book, y'all. I don't have the title of the book here, but... We will have a next episode. Yeah, or I'll tag it for you all on my uh, on the Chrysalis Facebook page. So please follow. Um, I think it definitely helped me to create a physical thing to put my feelings into a creative medium. I also think that this has helped me deal with my feelings in a constructive way, as opposed to keeping everything in. All right, thank you so much for the anecdote. I really appreciate it, and I definitely feel that um, using art as a way to stop time like Mm -hmm. stop your the time that you're living in and live in somewhere else like I definitely have felt that there was a lot of arguing in my house growing up and to this day arguing makes like it it triggers my anxiety really badly like whenever I know an argument is coming or whenever I hear loud talking I just I start to shake (laughs) um and honestly like part of getting through that was being in shows and not being at home Mm. (laughs) like things like that just little stuff like that that really helped me and I just I feel like especially in today's world where there's less and less funding for the arts we need it more now like if (laughs) than we've ever needed it if you ask me because there's just so much disconnect with who we are and we've talked about this in our past episodes like people don't know who they are and I feel like harnessing your artistic ability is just becoming more human i don't know (laughs) there's something so special about when you sing Mm. and you sing with other people and you harmonize and hearing a beautiful sound and knowing i'm a part of the making of that sound like i'm helping to raise this song up yeah. that I feel like is so healing, like as a part of art. And I remember like um, in the post, uh, this listener referenced um, high school. And I remember when I was in high school, I lost my grandfather. And that was so hard. That was so hard. And that was my first loss. Yeah. And I didn't really know how to deal with it. Like I think there's something about losing someone for the first time that shakes your core as a human because intellectually you know people don't like live for forever we we all know that like eventually people will die and you know that your your grandparents are closer to that getting to that point Mm -hmm. for sure it's it's what it is but for when it actually happens it's like oh my god and I just remember feeling so low and having a choir class And just, like, being in that choir, and sometimes I just felt so horrible. Like, I came from having a conversation with one of my family members when they broke the news to me that my grandfather was on the decline, and I just was, like... Because I'm the type of person where I I definitely deal with my feelings out loud. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm very much, like, I am not okay. And I expect (laughs) other people to, like, do the... Express it in the same way I do, which just isn't true or real. (laughs) And, and I went back to choir class and that was just like, 
everything to me to even sing the simplest of songs and just be like, we are creating something. And in this moment, I am escaping what is, or I feel validated. Yeah. I feel validating and saying like, he's able, you know? Amen. Amen. And just quickly, I want to acknowledge art for art's sake is a privilege. Like it's a privilege to be able to just make art and not have to think about the political and socio social weight of it um, because it all carries weight um, in one way or another. And I just feel like myself as a black woman with the political climate of this country, me just making stories that don't have a greater purpose in my eyes. And that's not to judge anyone else. To me, it's not responsible or it's, it's just not what I want to be doing at the heart of it, just just not what I want to be doing. I don't want to do something if it's not helping, you know, like if it's just there, if it's not serving a greater purpose, then I don't like personally, that's just not what I want to do. That's not the kind of art that I want to put into the world because I feel like we need every story that's being put out there to mean something, something because every one of us, if you've seen a show that, has moved you but if you've seen a show and you're an artist in particular like every one of us has that one moment in a show where you're reminded of like you know what the world is full of love and it can be okay if we just organize like it can be okay like if we really just put that energy into this kind of reality it can be okay and it really can, but that second some people leave the theater, it's just gone. Like, it's over their heads. It rushes over them for a minute, and then it's like, it'll be dinner conversation, car conversation, maybe, and then it's over. And it's like, how do we get that feeling to stay, like, to stick? Truly, like, I don't know. I really don't know how we get that feeling to stick, and I think that's part of the journey for myself as a writer is figuring out how to create pieces that get that that journey to stick and get people to carry it out of the actual theater with them. And this piece that we worked on that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode is really one of those pieces that stuck with a lot of the audience after the fact and very much hearing back from people saying, Oh, well, yeah, we had, we had a conversation that we've never had uh, before, or this really gave me a new perspective. And even myself, it gave me a new perspective on people who, use guns for livelihood because that wasn't that's not a reality that I live I live in the city food is at the grocery store and that's just where food is but for some people food is what they find and what they catch and what they grow and that's it there's no grocery store close by so it just kind of reminded me that there really are people who are out here living off these guns um for livelihood not not everybody's just toting because they want to um, they tote because they have to and just things like that. And quickly, for those who are intrigued, um, if you want to learn more about devising, you can um, purchase the Viewpoints book, Anne Bogart and Tina Landau, A Practical Guide to Viewpoints and Composition. And it's got Viewpoints um, 101 from beginning to end, like everything pretty much you could want to know. Um, and it talks about like the viewpoints of time and space time, tempo, duration, kinesthetic response, how your body responds to another person, repetition, so you're playing with time, um, a lot of it, and the viewpoints of space would be shape, so making like different shapes with your body, gesture, you can have behavioral gestures, 
or expressive gestures, behavioral, you're doing a literal daily thing. Like maybe your gesture is that you're brushing your teeth and a more expressive gesture is like, oh, I just want to swing my arms to the ground and lift my body back up. But it has to have a clear beginning, middle and end. And then we've got some architecture. You can play with what's in the room. You've got spatial relationship, your distance from things on stage from one another, topography and uh, composition. There's just so much to it. So I really highly recommend um, y'all reading that. And it's it's a nice read. You can jump from chapter to chapter. It's not something that requires <laughs> chronological Consistent, order right. if you don't like that, because I know some people don't. Um, and... I think that something that we talked about, Daria, that I want to touch on is the beauty of the process more than anything is creating a show when you're sitting in rehearsals and working through feelings and working through the script and working through your day. (laughs) I feel like that's another emphasis on the part of the beauty that comes from making art is the actual process itself and the growth that comes from the process of forming those intimate relationships in such a short amount of time, the growth that comes from forming a partnership on stage, like feeling like somebody's got you. And that's that, like no matter what happens on that stage, they got you. Like you have a friend, you have an ally on that stage. Um, Did you want to expand on that at all? I think when, when you go out into the world and you have to get a job because capitalism, you know, (laughs) um, something that I think is missing because I was like sitting at my old job wondering like what exactly is missing right now I I know that something is I I can't exactly pinpoint and what am I aching for in the art world that I'm not getting here and I guess part of it is process that it's so much about product Mm -hmm. when you're at a job and you know like not every single job but a lot of them I I would go and and take the leap to say most of jobs in in capitalism again is about the product so it's not about your process during that because anything that you're dealing with you need to take care of that outside of here Mm -hmm. and when you're here you need to be working and you need to be working towards the product that we're getting at because that's our money maker you know and time is money yeah but when you're in theater and you're training, and even if you're working on a show and like, okay, the product is the show, it's still about the process, especially if you're doing the the right type of thing, and I'm using <laughs> quotation marks, PayPal, because like, it could be something that's, we're just going to put on a musical and make a lot of money for rich white folk, like that mm-hmm. is a realm, and I think that's what you're getting at, that like, you're not so much interested in that, and neither am I, mm-hmm. neither am I. I'm more about work that's like, this is the process. And I think that's what makes me sometimes sit and yearn for old projects that I've worked on because it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to get that again because that was that process and that individual thing. Whereas I think when we're working, it's all about this product that we can like recreate and manufacture Mm -hmm. because we need to. And this big thing, like this job, this company is a machine and it's producing something and you're a replaceable part yeah. in all of this and you don't really matter. So whatever you're going <laughs> through, I need you to take that outside. Whereas like theater is like, well, Finice, you're going through some things invite it into the space. Yeah. Like let it Use feed that. what you're doing. Yeah. Let it feed what you're doing. And you have this special way of 
approaching life as any individual that is welcomed into the space. Like, you're super emotional, girl, that's why we picked you for this character. (laughs) Bring it in there, you know, as opposed to being something that's like, you don't really matter. Work on your work and do the work. It's like, yes, do the work, but invite whatever you're using and pulling from as a human, whether it's your childhood, what just happened to you out on the street. And, um, you know, Daria, piggybacking off of that, the process, I know for me, hair has its problems. Yes. Because the script is problematic. Yes. And there's not enough. Let's talk about how there's not enough screen time for the black people. Hello. That's just one problem. One one out of many. Because it's just a little thing over there. Y'all messing with the indigenous folks. It's just problems everywhere. (laughs) But something that I do like about that show as a mainstream musical, you know, that has been on Broadway, whatnot, gone through all of that. is that it's a protest. It's on stage. It's a protest happening Mm. in front of you. And if that, like, that's what it felt like for me. I was in rehearsal, but I was very much protesting while I was on stage. I'm like, this is my protest. I can't do shit else. I'm on stage anyway. Well, look at that. Like, I'm protesting. Right. Got an audience for it. Like, I'm like, look, Air, we're really singing right now. Like, this is real for us. You know, I mean, Trump had just gotten elected. So, of course, we're all fucking fuming. Um, and just little things of like the way the cultures in the actual cast itself, just things like that. And yeah, like being on that stage and yelling and holding that sign and stomping and singing about and singing ain't got no and thinking about all like my black brothers who had to die in that war and didn't get shit for it. Like just Things like that, like that for me was my protest. And sometimes that's why I'm like, we need more pieces like that. That can be fun, but a protest. Like there's an active purpose for what we're doing. Like every Mm -hmm. image you see has a purpose. Whether you realize it or not, it's still going to hit you at some point. It'll be sitting in the back of your mind and it's going to hit you at the dinner table. Janet, about how that image you saw on the stage relates to this thing you just saw in the news and you're going to be shook. Like... I think there's also a freedom to it that you're getting to that it's not just when you enter the space that you can pull from outside, but when you leave the space, you are allowed to bring it with you to the dinner table or on your mind when you're going to sleep or allow it to affect your next day or what have you. Whereas in, I, I feel like being in these jobs, I'm talking about like working for like, like corporate America. Like it was really like what, what is in the boardroom stays in the boardroom and you got to leave it there and like, don't complain about it. We're moving on to the next. Yeah. Whereas I think like performing art allows this freedom where it's like, it can literally move from one thing to the next, which I feel like is devising, like allowing mm-hmm. it from like this simple task of brushing your teeth. So like, what does this do with my hand? Carry it yes. out. How do I go through the space? This is a dance. <laughs> like it's so free flowing. And I think the, yes. the most creation and like organic creation comes from that when you free yourselves. And Amen. I think we're just going around not being able to free ourselves And I just think that art allows a space where it's like, girl, you can be free. And whatever you want to use this space to do, this black box, wherever we are, go and do it. Amen. And that's perfectly said. With that said, we're going to jump on to our Q&A. We've got (laughs) two questions. Um, One question, I'll I'll say. Um, 
one statement and one question. <laughs> All right. So from at if it ain't about Damani, um, the strange person, I have no idea who this is. Damani says, hi, my name is Damani and I want to know if one day I'll be featured on your podcast. Thanks. Huge fan. <laughs> wonder who that so, is, Vinny. Absolutely not. You will not know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is my best friend, guys. Of course, you're going to be on the podcast someday. I just haven't seen you in so long. So come to New York. <laughs> All right. Also, my baby's graduating. Uh, shout out to Morehouse. Um, <laughs> All right. Next question is anonymous. And uh, we're going to get a little NSFW, y'all. So this person says... My question is that during sex, or even by myself, I tend to come pretty quickly. I know it's not a bad thing per se, but I would like to keep up with my partner. Do you have any tips on how to last longer? Um, so first off, I am so honored that you feel comfortable enough to share this with me. Mm-hmm. Also, second, I cannot tell you what to do with your body. I really can't. <laughs> that is the moral of the year. I can't tell you what to do with your body. But... Speaking on my own experience and just from biology, I really have you experimented with yourself. Yes, it says you have. Okay, so check. Um, figure out what your triggers are. I know for myself, if you're a family member, cut it off now. <laughs> okay, Wait for me. Cut it Wait off, for- Uncle. <laughs> Bye, Uncle B. Love you. <laughs> But if you're, you know, I know for me, like, there's certain things that if I have more clitoral stimulation, like, obviously, I'm going to come faster. That's just for me. Some people, it doesn't work that way. Some people aren't in sync in terms of clitoral and vaginal stimulation. It takes more time and practice to kind of sync up the two. So it really depends on you just playing around with what you need and what you like and what triggers your orgasms. Um, Or, you know trying maybe trying different styles i don't i don't know um and something else is like don't put so much pressure on yourself either if if coming fast is just something you do then that's just something you do um and that's okay i mean are you if you're feeling self-conscious because of something a partner said then that's them like that's their business (laughs) it's your body and it does what it does and they don't have to participate if they don't want to but if this is something that you just want to work on for you all i can say is experiment really yeah do you have anything to? yeah i love that this question and this topic was posed during the art conversation and art for healing sake because i think one may listen and be like, those are two different things. Oh, they've switched topics completely. And mm-hmm. for me, like my lens through sex, it's not. It's yeah. like one and the same for Thank me. Thank you. Because it's this, it's this thing of like process that I feel like I've learned and discovered and been taught about sex. And that's how I approach it is like something that helped me, like being transparent again, <laughs> any, you know, relatives listening, goodbye. Go away. Uh, <laughs> When I first approached sex, I was extremely nervous and self-conscious. And that was something that, like, I I didn't feel like was a home base for me. Like, I think certain people, like, find different ways to navigate through the world. And they're like, okay, like, public speaking is my thing. I got it. You know? And some people are like, I am sexual. Got it. You know? And it was something where, like, 
I've, I've definitely been sexual, but it wasn't something I gave my per, myself permission to explore mm. and to like fully live in that space. So approaching that was like really nerve wracking for me. And I put pressure on it because I think the way that we frame discussions of sex is, um, I saw some like Ted talk about this. I'm not taking credit for it y'all, but it's this <laughs> way of like someone wins, someone loses. We're talking about a game home run, like the whole mm-hmm. framing really gross. of sex is Shout like out misogyny, you know, we like someone ya. is a victor. Someone should be shamed. Someone yeah. gave someone, mm-hmm. you know, you took someone my took virginity. Something. Yeah. You know, like it's it's really, it's really unhealthy and, and really problematic. But for me, like just approaching it the way I approach art of like and specifically devising was like we are two people and who have two bodies in this space and time and we're going to create something. Yeah. And it's not about being wrong. Mm-hmm. It's about discovery and whatever we choose to create with our bodies, with our minds in this space is right. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about being wrong. Let's throw that out of the space. That's not what we're doing <laughs> here. And it's just about us having a good time and yeah. enjoying each other and discovering ourselves and one another. And for me, I found when I approach it that way, that's when I have, and I, I'm cautioning myself when I'm saying this, when I'm using this language, I'm almost hesitant to use it of like, that's when I have my, excuse me, y'all, biggest like victories or successes in the bedroom when I'm like, that was a really good time. When I just like (laughs) approach it, like being like, wow, like. I'm so honored to be in this space with you that you feel like you can be vulnerable enough with me in this space. And I'm so grateful that like I can feel vulnerable in this space where I literally have nothing to hide. Yeah. You know, and we're just going to discover this together and go on a journey. Like, let's just take a journey. And to me, like when you approach that with a lot of different things, like making a podcast, Mm -hmm. having a conversation where there's not this weight on it of like, this has to be fantastic. Yeah. You know, like I have to improve this person or whatever and I think when you get into a space where you feel like this huge pressure that like you said it's the partner in the bedroom that's putting that pressure on you or making you feel like you're not good enough that's not a healthy situation in my opinion where it feels like you have to impress you know I've been in intimate settings where I feel like okay like this person's been with some other people and now I'm up next I'm number five okay number five you know (laughs) it's just about the journey and discovery and I think that's when you're going to find the most success or whatever that means when you're going to have the the greatest time and I think part of the process is first seeing what you're working with like you see Mm -hmm. the correlation with devising it's like seeing okay this is what I'm working with this is what makes me feel good by myself now I'm entering a space with someone else and now I can almost give you directions, give you tips and teach you about how I work. You can do the same. And then we can see how we work together. And let's destigmatize the idea of having conversations before and after sex. Hello. Because hello. how else are you going to learn? Like that's why 80% of fucking men don't know where the clitoris is because they don't fucking ask. Hello. All right. That's an exaggeration. (laughs) Y'all also very heteronormative. (laughs) Very true. Um, Thank you. But And also, I'm a huge fan of check-ins. Yeah. During, like, not even just, like, check-in, check-out, you know, clock-in, clock-out, but, like, also being like, okay, how are you feeling right now? 
you know, and building that rapport in that safe space where it's okay to like check in with someone and being like, did you like that? Did we like that? No, we didn't. Okay, we can. <laughs> That's you know, me usually when we're done, but. Right. Sex is a conversation. It is. And like, thankfully I have a partner that I don't have to talk much because our conversations are very much like spiritual ones. Mm. But, Ooh, a word. um, yeah, something I said that Daria wanted me to reiterate was a lot of us don't know our own bodies until somebody else is touching them. Ooh. And that's not cool. Like, that's that for some reason, that's just the culture here. Like, all of the shaming involved in sex and exploring your sexuality, that's what you get. You get people that don't know how to work their own fucking bodies, and it mm-hmm. sucks. Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, you got to figure it out for yourself. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, girl. Have it up. Have a good time. <laughs> Have a good old time. Knock no yourself lie. Up. All right, y'all. So we're wrapping up, but I just want to let you all know that we're doing listener Q&A now. So if you want to send in questions, you're welcome to. Um, You can head to www.facebook.com slash the chrysalis podcast, or you can head to my Instagram at Fenice, F-E-N-I-C-E, Alex, A-L-E-X, and you can send me a DM to have your question on the air. I will shout you out. Help me help you. Um, so yeah, share, like all of that stuff. And we want to hear your questions. We want to be able to interact with you all. Um, so don't be shy. All right. We'll see you next week. Okay. All right. Thanks guys for listening. y'all thank you for listening to episode three we will see you next sunday